You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today I am absolutely delighted because I have a guest on the show. And the thing I love about having guests on the show is that I get a chance to learn from a lot of people. I get a chance to to pick people's brains about what it is that they do and how they train and how they teach. And, And I think in this case, probably more than any that I've had a conversation with on the podcast before is how they inspire. And for me, the person on the on the podcast today has proven to be absolutely inspirational. And he's been seen by millions of people as a celebrity fitness trainer. And listen, y'all know that I'm not the biggest fan of the use of that term. But at the same time, when it is what it is, you got to call it what it is. So today I'm welcoming uh, somebody that's been on my radar for a while. And from what I hear from other people, I've also been on his. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NASM CPT podcast, Amala Caesar. Hey, what's up, man? What's up? Thank you for having me. And I'm I'm the same. I'm still not really a fan of the word celebrity trainer. Oh, it's tough, right? It, it just, I don't, I've never felt comfortable with that word just because I train everyone and Yes, I have been a huge fan of your podcast, your work. I'm happy that it's happening uh, because I've, I've shouted you out so many times in my work. And uh, I'm excited to talk about what I do for a living and uh, how I motivate yeah. people. Well, man, I'm looking forward to it. But just to, to speak to that for a moment, I don't remember where it was, but on multiple occasions, this is the first time that you were on my radar. Somebody was like, oh, uh, Molly Caesar shouted you out uh, on on his show the other day. And I was like, wait, who, what? And I, I looked him up and I was like, oh, oh, my man's got a following. <laughs> and, then, and then on several different occasions, people just hit me up, they DM me. They're like, hey man, Amala Caesar just shouted you out on the show and his workout. And I was like, I, I have to be friends with this guy. <laughs> uh, so I work for a company called Beastbody. Now, well, it's called Body now, but it was formerly known as Peach Body. So I created a program called 645. And in 645, you were a huge inspiration. Um, Six days a week, 45 minutes a day. That's just the job title of the program. But what I love so much about you and the podcast is the way you have, uh, the way you are with words, the way you break down like the scientific jargon and you make it so digestible for everyone to understand. And throughout my journey as a trainer, um, I listened to a lot of your work and, you know, you you would say Satorius, like just the smallest little things that you would do that stick. <laughs> I found that, you know, it was so helpful in my journey. I know so many people in fitness listen to you and uh, I was just inspired through your work. So I, I always shout out where I get my inspiration from, where I learn certain, certain funny little quirky things um, that sit with people. And I just had to give you love, man, because you don't understand how NASM and your podcast has really helped a lot of trainers just navigate through this world. 
Man, thank you so much. That is a, a you do me a great kindness when you say that. So I appreciate that. So with gratitude, thank you. Uh, I want to talk to you. Well, I want you to talk to me, really. I want you to tell me, us, the people listening, your origin story. So I want to know like just a little bit of background about you and how you got into fitness and then moved into doing what you're doing now because i think the story is pretty inspirational and just what you do and who you are like you make me want to work out when i see you when i scroll through and i'm like i'm like oh there he is doing it again is it a turkish get up i guess i better go work out like I'm I'm sold by what you do and how you present it. So please just like share with me and, and the people listening your story, how you got to where you are. And then we'll chat a little bit about where you are and some of the processes that you use to inspire people. Of course. So I've always loved fitness from a young age. Um, I think I tell this story all the time. The hardest time in my life was middle school. I had awakening like it was the hardest training in my life. Um, I went out for a basketball team. And I ran it probably I ran around the school one lap, but I felt like I died. And ever since <laughs> I was like, oh, gosh, I'm exhausted. Uh, ever since then, I fell in love with just training. So it started off with the art of training of just trying to be a better athlete. Right. And so I played a lot of sports when I was growing up. And then as I got through college, you know, I went in with trying to get into sports management. And I realized shortly that it just didn't fit well for me. And I had to take a moment to ask myself, I went to the University of Central Florida, shout out UCF. Um, I asked myself, what do I genuinely enjoy? And my friends were having this conversation with me. They're like, man, you love training. Every time we're around you, all you want to do is work out and hang out in the gym. You're always trying to coach me. So I, my second year in, I decided to change my major into exercise science. So I switched my major into exercise science, but this is, here's the funny and crazy thing of how this all works out. Because even while I was in sports management, I was taking like radio television courses. I was taking like all different courses, trying to figure out if I wanted to be in like an analyst or a management. Um, and then I was also taking psychology. This story is gonna come all, all back into a circle. <laughs> um, so I ended up having so many courses in radio television. I loved exercise science, I ended up Graduating with exercise science, I had a minor in psychology. So from there, I moved to Los Angeles. I was like, the sunny Los Angeles. This is where I have to be. This is the mecca of fitness. So I moved to Los Angeles, started working at LA Fitness. And my personality, you know, I was always like charismatic. I love joking. I love making things fun and um, interesting. So from there, I really just did a really good job working at LA Fitness. I was in the personal training development, helping trainers get to sell and how to uh, just basically craft and get better with their craft. I bounced around a few and I really did a really good job in the independent world. And when I say I did a really good job, my clients said that I did a good job. I don't, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really fun. Just every day I get up, I work out, I inspire people to move. I would do a bunch of running clubs, walking clubs, hiking clubs. And I had the opportunity to to work for an online company, Beachbody. You guys have heard of like P90X or Insanity, sure. right? We've all done it at one point in our lives. And the owner reached out to me and said, hey, you know, you really have this special thing about you. Would love to bring you to our platform. I joined the platform and it just took off from there. Before I even joined the platform, I've been training professional athletes, uh, working with a lot of clients. And, and one of the things that I've realized and I've learned that it's really about the human connection. It's like, how do you connect? How do you communicate? 
And that's what I love so much about you is how you communicate, right? And it's your storytelling is amazing. And when you're able to like elevate, you know, people and have them see the vision of, you know, movement and have them think beyond just picking up dumbbells and thinking about it in a 360 approach, that's how I knew like this was meant for me. So when you see me doing Turkish get-ups and you see me doing all these workouts, it's it's the love that I have for movement. It's so universal for me. It is it's my love language. Oh, my man. Ladies and gentlemen, I am talking with Amala Caesar and uh, I'm host Rick Ritchie. This is the NASM CPT podcast. And I just want to get a little more story from, from him and just understand a little bit about his motivation. Now, if you haven't followed him, go ahead and check him out. I follow you on Instagram. So check him out on Instagram and then body is out there. So if you want to get actual workouts with him from him, then that's the place to do it. And NASM and Beachbody had a partnership uh, a, a while back. I, I got to be honest, I don't know if we still do. I'm not really that familiar with it. I just know that they were connected in some way in the past. But this is kind of a... Um, a convergent evolution, so to speak, where where two people that didn't know each other and didn't have a, a, a connection just ended up becoming connected. And so I appreciate that. I want to go into, uh, but first of all, how did uh, how did they find you? Had Did you audition for them or did they just kind of know about you where it on the street is? So they heard about me through other trainers. Um, and a trainer reached out to uh, Carl Deichler and Carl Deichler reached out to me through Instagram. And that's how it all came around. And so, and it's funny, I never tied back that story earlier about me being in college um, and taking radio television and exercise science. Well, that's basically what I do now. I'm an on-camera trainer. And I feel like the radio television courses and the psychology and the movement all came together to create this uh, career for myself. And so uh, I was found through social media and it's a great tool for anyone that's a business card. Um, guys, if you're looking to continue to grow your business, please use that. That is a great tool for you to uh, grow your business in the online space. Yeah, I'm going to say this, like I'm with you in the same thing. When I was in school, like going through college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, and so I double majored in theater and communications. I minored in biology and business administration, which basically meant this guy doesn't have a clue who he is or what he's going to do with his life. <laughs> but the last few years in school, I was also um, I worked at a hundred thousand watt radio station. Uh, it was a classic rock radio station. So now talk about bringing it back around, taking some of my what I love to do from fitness and communications and theater and my experience in radio. So it's now no longer Rick Ritchie rocking and rolling through the night with you. WVNA Classic Rock 100. It's not oh, that I, anymore. I love the way you yeah. do that. And I'm always <laughs> super trainer in. Like it's, it's, you can tell that you have been through uh, coaching through that. And it's funny how, you know, our joys and our passions or the things that we folly in, you know, if we look well, we can't look into the future, but now we look back at it. It's like, this was all designed. This was all by design. And so uh, it's fascinating to see where I am today. I feel like this conversation between me and you, I wanted to have this conversation last year, but I'm happy that we're having this conversation <laughs> um, because I've always wanted to pick your brain as well, because again, you have an art with word, your communication, um, just the way you describe movement. It's just very easy for anyone to see that vision. And I think as anyone, as a trainer, 
That is our job. We don't want this. We don't want movement or our message to get lost in translation. I find that the better you're able to communicate what you're trying to achieve, the better buy-in that you get from your clients. And so that is really where the magic is, is how you communicate. Because um, the scientific jargon is there. It's Latin. It's, it's so much. We don't, no one cares. What people really care about is how do you get me from A to B? And what's the storyline behind that? And so, you know, you've had a way with that. And I, it's rubbed off on me even now in my career. And what I do as an on-camera trainer, it's very important for me to be able to communicate and uh, preach the message of movement. And so, again, I can, I can keep giving you your flowers, uh, but I'm <laughs> here and to have this conversation with you. Yeah, man. Thank you. I want to I want to pick your brain about something else. So this is interesting. A friend of mine uh, for a long time, business partner uh, at one of my gyms in Soho that I have in New York City, uh, moved out to Los Angeles. He is a Apple TV fitness trainer. Okay. Some of the stories he tells, dude, they're so funny because he's like, man, you realize when you're on camera, you can't say certain things. Uh, not that they're wrong things, but like you can't say that because that might be trademarked. You can't say this because it references something else. Like, do you like what is that? That like when you first started doing this and they kept going cut. Yes, I call myself Mr. One Take Wonder. I, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't. I really if you watch me, I never cut. But there there's so much truth. You can't even sing three seconds of a song. Right, like you have to be so mindful all the time. And so we have this uh, device called the IFB. Sometimes trainers use it, where they'll you'll get your counts in your ear. It's so different than one-on-one training. And I don't think people understand the uh, art of on-camera training. You have a million people in your ear, from directors to uh, producers, giving you stage direction, also reminding you to, hey, you have to fix this person's form. Or because a lot of time when we're communicating, we're communicating straight down the, the, the camera. So we want to make sure that we're motivating and we're hitting those those marks. And so there are times where, you know, I might say something and it's like, uh, I'm all up this the social climate. We can't say certain things like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, you have to be very careful about what you say and how you say it and how you pronunciate as well. So I don't think uh, a lot of people understand the work that goes behind it. M most people don't understand, obviously. Sure. Um, and so there's a lot of moving pieces. The way we film is like a movie set. We have cranes everywhere with cameras. We have to be able to know when to land on the camera. You, you have your gibs, you have your hand cameras, you have mics, you have cast members. Um, when you have, I call them cast members, but you know, clients or however you want to call them, that's our terminology and body. Yeah. But there's so many moving pieces, and then you have to tell a story, you have to be entertaining, you have to be inspirational, and you have to be educational. It's not like mm -hmm. when you're one on one, you know, I sometimes find myself in my one on one sessions like, like loud, speaking loud. And <laughs> Even when I go home, it's like I can't turn it off. It's like a car salesman energy. It's like, and today, this is what we're going to do. And it just <laughs> lives with you. It stays with you. And so it's a fun job, but it's mentally mentally exhausting, but is the greatest thing ever. Like, I, I, I don't know how to describe it. Man, I'm happy for you. I'm glad you're in that role and I'm glad you're doing what you do. I want to talk uh, about one of the things that, that you talked about in... 
one of your episodes and you had posted it and I, I latch a hold of certain things because of the way that it resonates with me. And we all do. Right. But in it, there was uh, one you posted recently. You said to people watching, don't get too comfortable, right? Like it's important not to get too comfortable. I want to, I want to have a conversation about that. Like, what did you mean when you say that? And uh, what are you trying to get across to people when you're saying not to get too comfortable? Uh, in our, our lives, and like growth is on that uncomfortable spectrum, right? We have to be able to, even when it comes to, to movement, right? Like if your workouts are easy, it's an insult. It's really not a workout, right? There takes a certain type of uh, push or to create that adaptation, right? If we want to grow hypertrophy, we got to get a little uncomfortable. If we want to get stronger, we got to be a little uncomfortable. We got to go past our limits. And that's where that growth happens. A lot of us, we have our coping mechanisms where we want to be comfortable. We don't want to go from our homeostasis. We want, we don't want to move from that. We want to stay baseline. And if you want to win at anything in life, you have to be okay with being uncomfortable. And that has to be comfortable for you to challenge yourself. To mm. push and so when, you know, I'm talking to people, I'm working with people who are beginning their fitness journey and it's hard. It's not easy. I, you know, we talk how simple it is, but in reality, it's hard. And everything in life is hard. But once you are okay and understand that life is hard, this is hard, and I have to be comfortable with that, there's this beautiful thing that happens. You, you begin to move forward. The inertia, you start moving 1% better. You're getting better. And I think that's the magic that you know, helps anyone, that motivates anyone. And so, you know, being uncomfortable is a beautiful thing. Like if you're if you're feeling nervous, you're doing something right. If you feel a little bit of stress, you're doing something right. Now, we don't want to overtrain or overstress ourselves. We can talk about balance and all that, but mm -hmm. it's it's important for us to move ourselves uh, and to see what we're really capable of doing. And and if you're not, it's like you don't even really know yourself. And I really want to challenge you. And you know, one of the questions that you have is like, how do I motivate someone? It's not motivation. It's like, how do I elevate you, right? Because motivation is just a, it's an, it's a, it's a feeling. It can come and go, right? That's it's right. like I'm, selling, I'm not trying to sell motivation. What I'm trying to do is get you to see what you're capable of and elevating you. And a lot of ways to elevate you is to educate you. Because when I can educate you, right? If I can get you to see the bigger picture, you have this autonomy and you want to do, be able to self-serve yourself and you want to be your own savior and you will get yourself to doing those things that you want to do. And so I I love this job because the messaging and the, the, the comments that I receive, the emails, the pigeons, the people who show up to my workouts, just helping them see their strength within them because it's always been inside of you. You just need someone to just push you just a little bit just to get that ball rolling. And so that's what I mean. Just don't be comfortable. Go out there. Go accomplish it. You can do it. You can do it. So go do it. Yeah, I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Amala Caesar here on the NASM CPT podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and I'm happy you're with us today. And I want to talk about that just a little bit, that difference between what's termed as you stress versus distress. You stress is the good stress. You, you stress is the stress that allows you to 
create that forward momentum and create that change. Distress is the damaging portion of that where it's gone too far. Maybe overtraining, over pushing yourself, especially new people, right, Amalia? Like you get somebody in here and they're new and they just sign up, let's say for instance, and all of a sudden they're like, I'm going to do like 10 workouts this week because I'm going to accomplish my end result this week, right? <laughs> We're like, you didn't get to where you are in a week. You're not going to get away from that in a week. And so like for, for me, and I love having these conversations, I'm going to have this conversation with you. There's a difference between the journey, right? There's a difference between the process and the outcome. And oftentimes I point at it, right? Like if you keep, if you keep aiming at the outcome, you probably aren't going to make the best out of the process. Exactly. But if you learn to enjoy the journey, if you learn to enjoy the process, then the outcomes happen. Like they come along, they will be uh, part of the process. They are the result of the work that's being put in. But if, and, and I'm not saying most like people don't create goals and then just follow the path to get there. But if you're not having some fun on an uncomfortable path, right? Like there's stress, there's you stress, there's, there's discomfort. But if there's not something rewarding in the moment, then it's really hard to wait until six months, six years from now until you get that outcome that you've been gunning for. So like, what is that for you as you coach it and as you feel it and as you process this, where's that journey? What's that process like? And how do you coach that? The real win in life is who you become, right? In that process. It's not the outcome, right? It's not I, you know, I, I focus more on the identity base more than the outcome base, right? Who am I going to become? Like my word, right? My bond is my word. Like if I say that I'm going to work out this week, how many times did I work out this week? Opposed to like me trying to lose 30 pounds. If my goal is I don't like working out, but this week I worked out twice a week and that's more than I've ever done before. You're winning. That's the win. It's because you're 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 becoming something, right? To unbecome, you have to become. You have to be willing to unbecome. You have to do something different that you've never done before. And so, I I find, and everyone find, I work with professional athletes. It's not about the championship, right? It's about how you show up for yourself every single day, how you create these habits every single day. Your habits and your rituals; those are the winning formula, because it's your habits and rituals of who you are. That's going to get you there, right? If you're focusing on the outcome, then I know eventually what's going to end up happening is you're going to go back to those bad habits and rituals, right? Mm. But if you start changing that identity of who you are, right? Like you become a morning person, you, uh, you're going to bed maybe an hour earlier, you're drinking more water and minding your business more, right? Like you're finding ways to be a better person. You're not stressing over the things that you're not in control over. That is where the magic really happens. And even in my process, I, I'll say in the early beginning of my journey of my career, I was so focused on how do I become a top trainer? How do I become the best trainer? And instead, I, I would put so much pressure on myself. I would put too much pressure on myself. And then I fell in love with the journey. I fell in love with, like, believe it or not, I did not like reading. Right. I think yeah. at one point in our lives didn't like reading or maybe that's just me. Let me stop projecting. Um, I'm with you. I didn't like reading. I didn't I just couldn't sit down enough to read and my brain would be squirrel. Oh, what's going on here? <laughs> it's I, I because I was so focused on like I just. 
want to get through this book so I could say I got this certification. And then I started slowing down. And I started like actually changing the way I approach things. And I realized it's like, I have to fall in love with this uncomfortable thing, right? Of reading and, and taking time to set aside for myself. And once I started setting aside just a little bit of time, maybe if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, it started with that five minute action of me just reading. And then I found that this is enjoyable. And I started really enjoying. And then I really tried to aggregate everything around my life. And this is where you came into the picture where I wanted everything to be structured in a sense. So if I'm driving, I'm educating myself. If mm -hmm. I'm listening to your podcast, like I use every second, every second matters. And then from there, I just started becoming this person that I've always deep down inside wanted to become. I wanted to be this person that read. I wanted to be this person that studied, that that broke it down. When I was younger, I, you know, we coached through school. We, we, you know, I was an athlete. Things were easy for me. So as I got older, I had to rewire a lot about me. And a lot of my quote unquote motivation and inspiration is the failures that I've had in my life. And that helped me recognize some of my pitfalls. So then I took all of the best things that I've learned from my journey of just becoming who I am. And I speak that through the camera. I speak that when I'm working with um, body or I'm working with these athletes or whoever. And if you have a body, you're an athlete. So whoever. And so mm. that is uh, the process to me. It's I love the process. And when you can love the process, the outcome will happen. It will happen. But you have to be identity based. And once you become identity, like <clears throat> everything changes from there. I like that a lot. There's a there's a wonderful book called Tiny Habits by an author and researcher named BJ Fogg. And he talks about motivation, right? So we discussed motivation for a second. And what he basically said was, like, you got to be motivated to do something. But but motivation is a fickle, fickle beast, right? Like, I'm motivated to you know, the, people are motivated to stop smoking and then they'll throw out their cigarettes and then at a late night rush, they run uh, to a convenience store and get another pack because they're suddenly not motivated. Uh, and and it's not that they don't want to stop smoking. It's just that the, the desire to do something is not as strong as the desire not to. And we see that in a lot of things. So there's ambivalence with exercise right? I don't want to work out, but I know I'm supposed to. And so for some people, and this is just really for you, right? Like you've got people that are signing up to watch you that are right now just signing up to watch, right? Like they're like, let me just, let me dip my toe in it. Let me just watch for a minute. I know I used to do that when I was a kid. I'd watch, I'd watch the exercise people on TV. I wasn't doing the exercises with them. I just liked watching them work out. And so now what are the words that you might use? How do you entice them to, to basically, you know, my, my ism, the thing that I always say is a little bit of something's better than a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. And, and you did that with your reading, right? So a little bit of something's better than not doing anything at all. It's better than a whole lot of nothing, right? Working out. I say it about exercise. Um, and, and even more so, actually, I'll say it about physical activity because exercise creates more structure. I just want people moving, like being more active throughout the day. Uh, and then once they do that, then they can 
they can tip that motivation. So sometimes we just got to drop the motivation down. I can't, I can't run three miles. All right. Can you walk three? Well, that's still a lot. And I kind of know that I'm supposed to, I feel like I'm supposed to run. I can do a little bit. Can you do a quarter mile? Right. And just take the motivation factor down a little bit. And if you go, I can do a quarter mile, then go do a quarter mile. But the problem is that people in their head go, well, a quarter mile is not enough. And what I'm here to say is that a quarter mile, a little bit of something is better than a whole lot of nothing, right? So so are you presented with that or are you, in your head, are you just like everybody that's watching me is working out or are you thinking also that I need to, I need to pull them in to participate? Yeah. I, it's so funny that you bring this up. I mean, it's five minute actions. You know, I tell people for five minutes, can you do anything for five minutes? If you can't do it for five minutes, can you do it for one minute? Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's how do I, I'd rather you do something than nothing because you're going to get a return. If you do something, if, I mean, the math is mathing. If you do something, <laughs> you're going to get something back in return. If you do nothing, you get nothing in return. And when you, I love to tell people, I'm going to meet you wherever you are, right? If you if you hate working out, that's okay. Like, that's fine for me. You don't have to see me every single day, but can you press play for like just two minutes? Because I find that if I can just get you to press play, yeah. right? Or can get you to even just download the app, that's a win, right? I'm getting yeah. you closer to that. And so it's like, how do I get this cue to make it easy for you? Right. Because once it's easy for you or it's accessible to you, then I know that eventually you're going to come around to it. It's the same thing with myself. It's like I would do little things like I didn't like reading. So I'll make my bed. I'll leave a book on my bed. By the time I come back home, I got to face this book. I'm like, oh, man, there's that book right there. Right. Sometimes I read it. But here's the thing. It's that accountability. I thought about it regardless. I'm trying to hold myself accountable. The fact that I left that book there to me is a win, right? Because it's it's showing that I want this. And what ends up happening is you continue to keep exposing yourself to that. It's you are what you're exposed to. Then eventually you'll come across it and you say, you know what, I got time for a page or two. And then every time that I crack open that book, I, I say, I'm gonna read for five minutes and then I end up reading for 30 minutes. And I'm so proud of myself. Yeah. It's that small little simple thing right there that makes me so happy. And that's someone's fitness journey, right? I, I don't like working out, but I got in the gym. Like, I'll give you a story. You know, you there was a story one time where you talked about, and I'm going to tie this into, but you talked about going home to visit your family. And you realize that, you know, your family, I don't, I'm not sure who it was, your father, whoever, but they sat around a lot. And you realize that when you got up, you were like tight, you were achy, and you realize that, man, I'm a little rusty today. And you just moving without recognizing was your motion for lotion, right? Like you continue to feel great. And the more you move, the better you feel. The once I can connect those stories to people, right? About just moving, how that's gonna help you, how that's gonna make you feel good. Because if you, if I can get you to move just a little bit, you're gonna wanna move a little bit more often, right? And then once I can get you to move well, you're for sure gonna move often. And so it's small little actions, 1% 1% better every single day. How can I get 1% better? Maybe that was put that book on the bed before I leave. Maybe open up the book. I'm 1% better. I didn't read anything, but I'm 1% better. And then every day you just keep challenging yourself to do those things. And I work with all levels of people, right? Now, obviously in the professional world, if I have to motivate you, we got a problem, right? 
Right. Yeah, that's true. But I can speak and I feel like I have the ability to speak to anyone. And so I have these amualisms, you know, that I say do something strange for a little bit of range. I, I, I do these little quirky things. Big toes need love, too. It's when I <laughs> working out, yes, right. But if I can make working out fun yeah. and you know, people like I have a program called 645 and what the messaging that I get all the time is like, I just feel like I'm in a social club with you. I feel like we're all friends, me, you, the cast members, and the banter between me and the cast members. We talk about everything, like South Florida. That uh, I believe Florida is the South. A lot of people don't believe Florida is the South, and it's so funny. North it's like, Florida, right? <laughs> North Florida, right? <laughs> yeah. And so people will write me all day. It's like, man, you know, we had this killer workout, but I just really just enjoyed laughing with you. And like I time went by, 45 minutes went by. I, I didn't even notice it. So like if I can have uh, a moment to just make you laugh and get over the stress and get over the the daunting effect of you just starting, like I'm you're winning. And so that's it, that's really what it comes down to. Can you do a five minute action? You're going to be one percent better every single day. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I use this analogy a lot when people talk about the anticipation of death is worse than death itself, right? That's a very common uh, statement, right? So I use it all the time with the gym. The anticipation of the gym is worse than the gym itself. The an uh, anticipation of reading is worse than reading itself. We have these anticipations, these anxieties, things that I'm not good at. But when you take a little step forward, then you go, oh, it's not so bad. It's not so bad, right? So we need to get into just that touch point. We suffer more in our imagination than reality. Who is that? Seneca, right? Like we yeah. suffer in our head. It's like, oh, I don't want to do this. And then when we do it, it's it never fails. It's like, oh, that wasn't that bad. And that's yeah. what it, is. it really is not that bad. You just got to do it. I, I, I have stories for days, just even on my own journey. But yes. Yeah, well, part of that journey where you talked about making it fun, right? So we we think about things where if we do something and we do it a certain number of times, then it becomes part of an identity, right? Like if I just keep doing this, maybe I'll learn to love it. Um, but there are some things that that's not true. Like, for instance, my youngest loves the iPad so much, and he didn't need to have multiple reps at it. He just really likes it. My middle child plays Fortnite and he's very good at it. And he did not need to have multiple touch points on being like, oh, let me try again. Let me try again. Just loves it. Loves it. Because there's some things that are fun that are enjoyable to do. And I really do believe that if you can make fitness fun, if you can make physical activity fun, then people might just be like, hey, I actually don't enjoy exercise or working out or moving that much, but it's worth it. It's worth it because the time I'm with this person, they make it enjoyable. And that, my friend, that is the take home right there. Like, if can you do that? And not everybody's going to be that type of trainer, but I, I like to fancy myself as somebody that people enjoy going to. And, uh, and I know you do. Yeah. What's the one thing you get common from your clients that they can't stand doing? What's that one thing? That's usually stretching, mobility, doing the, the little things that, or the corrective exercises. What I have found is like 
even in the world of stretching, like I just making it fun, making it short, easy, working on your mobility um, and having you sit there and think about it. Right. It's like it's banking into like when I started talking like math and numbers to people like you got your CEOs and your businessmen. It's like banking into your 401k, right? If you're doing a little bit of mobility, the dividends in the future is going to be amazing for you, right? When they can see it in their language, it's so much yeah. easier for them to say, you know what? That's right. That does make sense. As we get older, we understand how our bodies change. We understand that. We're not going to go down that right now today. But the point is, is that, you know, communication, it, you know, if you can communicate it, if you can have fun with it, People will buy in. And I find that in my history of training, the thing that got me better as a trainer is how I communicate it and how I interact and I engage people. How do we have fun doing the things that we hate the most? And then from there, they buy in. It becomes part of their system and they don't even think about it. And once it becomes something you don't have to think about, you're in a great place. But that's usually what it comes down to is how do I communicate it and how do we have fun with it? I love that. So let's let's do this kind of a, as, a, as a signing off thing for, for the people that are listening. So we've talked a lot about training people and working out with people and motivating people. Now, I get this quite a bit. And so I know you get it on your end. Rick, how do I become a presenter at conferences? I want to do what you do. How do I work at NASM? How do I teach workshops? How do I? And so they want to get from me kind of how I got to where I was because they want to do something like what I'm doing. Um, and 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 I, you know, I, I give people the direction that I feel like they need, but it's always the person and the environment and, you know, everything is subject to the forces that are around them. But with that said, people have to, you know, want to know a little bit more about like what, what it is that you did. How can I get there? They come and say, you know, this stuff to you all the time. So I'm not asking how do you become an, uh, a television trainer? Like that's not my question. My question is, can you give a, a kind of direction and motivation for the fitness professional that's listening to this right now to give them, you know, uh, some inspiration, not just the clients that we've been talking about, but what about the fitness professional who wants to do what you do or wants to do what I do? What's some direction that, that you could give them? You know, this question, I never know how to answer this question. But one of the things I mean, that I can tell you from experience is I genuinely love helping people. Like service is my calling. And that I know is the power and my gift is that I always want to go beyond for my clients. I, I, I don't want my clients to ever feel like they're in this alone. So, you know, I feel like I coach my clients to their achievements and to their fears mm -hmm. right, or through their fears. And so it's really important to be a service trainer first and be client centered, be so client centered. Another thing that I really, you know, I, very, I think it's so important is, is to continue your education. Like it's, it's so important for you to learn constantly because obviously we know the industry is changing every couple of years, but it's also so important for you because this is hard to digest. It is hard. And so as you spend time understanding this better and if you can communicate this to a seven-year-old and an eight-year-old, you're on the right path. And so, you know, continuing your education, fall in love, 
with the process, right? It's not about the outcome, the goal. I know we all have bills and we have to get to the future, uh, get our security in the future, but it's really about how you fall in love with that process. Uh, another thing that I will say that's helped me is, you know, sometimes it's good to step away from it a, a little bit, right? Because sometimes you can read a screen so much and it's just, it, it confuses you or you're watching this and there's so much contradiction. Find what works very well for you and do that savagely well. Be so good at it. Find yourself and persist in other things and other modalities. Like I also, I fell in love with other arts of movement. And then it helped me with the one thing that I really wanted, which was, was how do I inspire people? And so I'll join all different classes. I'll go into yoga. I'll try um, animal flow. I try all different things. That makes me fall more in love with movement because it's weight training and being in a gym is just one small identity of who you are. Movement is so universal. So move, interact with people, communicate with people, have empathy in this industry, listen, and you will you will flourish in this industry. Oh, my man. Thank you so much for sharing that with everybody. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. I got to be honest, man, like you're super inspiring. I'm looking forward to even just going back and listening to this again. So thank you. Can you give uh, people that are listening your your handles, your ads, all of that so they can follow you and and be be there with me going click, click, double tap heart. I love it. Let's go ahead and watch again. You can find me at amwalacaesar.com. My name is very unique, A-M-O-I-L-A. -A. Only two people in this world with that name, me and my father, and you'll be able to find me. Perfect, perfect. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to, to Amala talk about the inspiration and journey that he's been on and what he does and who he is and how that can inspire us to do better and to want better and to strive for more. Um, and not just for more, but to to strive for um, contentment and who we are and what we do and and then elevating our clients and and lifting them up. So remember, he talked about elevating, not motivating. So elevate them, lift them up, and let them know that you are there for them. I'm here for you. If you've got questions for me, you can hit me up on Instagram at dr.rickrichie, or you can email me rick.richie at nasm.org. Thanks for listening. Y'all keep inspiring people to fitness. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.